get everybody to sit together one of these days. We're going to have four rows full. <laughs> I'm tickled to death to see you wherever you're sitting. Amen. Let's take the Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 12. We're going to move from Mark chapter 12 to Mark 14 here in a minute, so be ready. <laughs> Mark chapter 12, verse 42, 41, excuse me. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all these giving to the temple treasury. For they all gave out of the surplus, their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she possessed, all she had to live on. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you, God, for your provision for us, how you take care of us. We just pray that we might be good stewards of your provision. May we honor you with the gifts that you give us by doing what you would have us to do with them. Lord, we... Uh, we pray as we look together at your word today, we would discover how blessed we can be if we're obedient to you in our giving. Lord, we, uh, we just uh, pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to your message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Now, that, we might say this, like, this might be like First Baptist Church in Jerusalem, you reckon? There's a lot of people there, and a lot of people uh, contribute in different ways. Some people a lot, some people not so much. And uh, this uh, was something that uh, Mark was observing, and he... Uh, wrote it down and saved it for us uh, in the gospel so we might have it to teach us and to train us. Uh, Jesus called the disciples' attention to this lady, what she had done. She had given out of her poverty the last penny that she had. Now, we could... Uh, we could say today that we can, we're going to compare blessings to betrayal. Uh, that's, that's kind of what the, these, a lot of these scriptures I'm going to read you have to do with. What we should do and many times what people do are two different things. And we as the church certainly need to get that right. That needs to be our heart. Uh, he called his disciples together <laughs> and uh, bragged on her 
in front of them and uh, said she's given everything and basically said those folks that are well off and got a lot of money you know they give out of out of their surplus what they have now they're not going to dig into the bank account too deep and give they're just going to give out of out of what they have uh and <laughs> i've been in ministry for a long time been in a lot of different baptist churches and you can have some very interesting discussions talking about tithing today in a Baptist church. Some people believe in that it's all right. Some people don't. Some people say, well, that's an old law. It has nothing to do with the New Testament. And, hey, I might say, okay, agreed. But Jesus said, give it all to me. Now, that's what Jesus said. If you want to go by the New Testament, Jesus said, give it all to me, just like this lady did. She put in everything she had. There was nothing left for her to exist on. Uh, the well-to-do give out of their surplus uh, uh, just about all things uh, to do with the church and to giving to charities. They give out of the, the surplus stuff that they have. Uh, what, uh, what was left over after all their debts <laughs> had been paid. And the widow gave everything she had, not out of surplus, but all she had. She didn't have anything left. I don't know how long she had to live uh, without it. I don't know how many days or, or weeks necessarily she had to go without any money. But uh, I can uh, say that their, their society was probably like ours today. If you didn't have any money, you didn't do much business. She didn't have any money. It was hard for her to uh, get enough food to live on. Uh, and she, she realized in giving what she had that uh, she was going to be broke. Folks, we as Christians owe everything that we have to God. We hadn't got a dime in the bank a car to ride in or a house to live in or a church to go to with a nice, dry, cool, and warm building to worship in. We, uh, we take all of that sometimes for granted. But we owe all that we have to the Lord. He's given us everything, made it possible for us to have everything. Even when we have troubles, he is there to help overcome, if not overcome them alone. So we don't have to go through all of that by ourselves. God loves us, folks. We're his children. Jesus Christ gave his life that we might have life, that we might live with our heavenly father. What have we given him? We live in a world today that's a, kind of a penny pincher. We'll spend thousands of dollars on a vacation, maybe, and we'll uh, we'll skimp on the church this month because we just don't have it because we gave it all to get that vacation. Now, that's not the way God intended for his people to do things. What we ought to do is give God first what he deserves and give him out of the, the surplus, if you will, that we have uh, this this lady was <laughs> she was giving to God out of the blessings that God had given her, folks. Uh, 
if we don't give God what is due God, are we betraying him? Are we betraying him? He's honest with us. He's faithful with us. He's good to us. If we don't give him back what is his, do we betray him when we do that? Make a case for it, for sure. This uh, monetary <laughs> betrayal wasn't the only betrayal that lingered in the air during that time. In uh, Mark 14, if you drop down there, and uh, that uh, first section of Scripture uh, through verse 21 says a lot, but I'm going to read you uh, what it says. After two days, it was the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a treacherous way to arrest and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, or there will be rioting among the people. <laughs> they wanted to get rid of Jesus. He was a rebel rouser. He was a troublemaker in the church. He was just stirring them up. They didn't like that. We don't like it either, do we? People come into the church and they start stirring up trouble and telling us we ought to do things we had never done and all that sort of stuff. Do it this way, do it that way. And uh, if we don't have enough biblical knowledge to know whether that's right or not, folks can easily betray us a lot of times. We can follow down a path of betrayal uh, and uh, not, not one of blessings. The whole point to our existence in the church, it seems to me, is to live a life of blessing in Jesus Christ and not betrayal. Uh, betrayal is a horrible thing. I'm, when I think about betrayal, you know who I think about? Judas. Now, if anybody ever was the epitome of betrayal, it was Judas. Sold Jesus out for a handful of money. Now, that, hey, how many people do we know that do that basically today? You say, well, I, I don't know that I know anybody. Do you know people that work on Sunday? They do that for a handful of money. They don't get to come to church. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ugly picking on them. I know that a lot of people have to. That's not what I'm talking about. Some people just get a job where it takes them away from church on Sunday, and they don't give to the Lord what they should. That's betrayal, and that's what a lot of people do. In uh, chapter 14, it says, After two days it was the Passover and the, feast, the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way, treacherously, a way to arrest him and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, or there will be rioting among the people. They honored the feast itself, the festival, the holiday, they honored the holiday more than Jesus. They didn't want to upset the people, their congregation, so they didn't, they didn't do anything to Jesus when it would upset the congregation. Now, you know and I know churches that will do anything to keep the peace within the family, within the convention, 
with friends and everything else. They just don't want to get involved in controversy. Folks, if I read my Bible right, the life of Jesus was filled with controversy. Now, we can expect some of that if we do the right thing. We can expect controversy to come along. What we have to do is pray for the wisdom uh, to do the right thing, for God to guide us in the right direction to go through these controversies because we are going to have uh, I hope we we don't ever have them bad enough they start looking for a way to kill us. Uh, However, it it happens that way, it seems like, in some churches today. But uh, they didn't want to do it during the festival because everybody, all the Jews would turn against them if if they missed the festival holiday. Well, some people are more excited about the holidays than they are about the church. Well, why do you say that, preacher? <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I can say that. <laughs> I've been in church long enough, brother, standing behind the pulpit and going to Sunday school class. Through one Christmas holiday after another Christmas holiday, many times you'll have a packed house at Christmas, which is fine and dandy. It's wonderful. But the next week, you can't find a third of them. Where are they? I don't know they're where they're at the rest of the year, though. It happens that way. That's just the way that it is. People, people don't always do what they ought to do. And we don't consider that betrayal. Folks, listen to me. If you don't get anything else, listen to this. There are folks on the outside that know you're a church member at West Acres Baptist Church. I guarantee you they know you're a member here. And if you don't come here and they see you at Walmart when you're supposed to be at church, you don't think they make a mental note of it? They're watching church people to see how serious church people are. That's just the devil's way of getting them to turn away from the church. We're being observed by the bad side, (laughs) the rough side, the opposite side. And we ought not to do anything to give them a screwdriver hold and a chink in our armor. We ought to put forth a good face before everybody. Well, I tell you what, Jesus made them so bad. <laughs> they went out and plotted a way to kill him. The chief priests and the scribes were the spiritual leaders of the Jewish religion. And their authority was being threatened by Jesus. They were simply jealous of how popular he was and what he was uh, saying they needed to do to the church. They were searching for a way to get rid of him. Now, I, I know it probably never happened here, but some of the churches I've been in, we've had a member or two that attends church, that's just a thorn in the flesh. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Just a thorn in the flesh. Everything the church tries to do, they're opposed to. Every dime of money the church spends, they're opposed to. They're just born in a negative mood. And that uh, they're going to live that way. That's just the way they are. Well, it goes back for sure 
to biblical times. Uh, the leaders of the Jewish uh, people, the religion itself, felt their authority was being threatened. And they were just simply, pure and simply, jealous. Y'all have never seen jealousy in a church, have you? Huh? You've never had one little group sitting over here and one little group sitting back there, and it's talking about this little group sitting up here. Some of y'all are smiling at me, so I know you have. <laughs> it happens because we're human beings, and we have a tendency to betray the people we love. Why? Because the devil's in it. He wants us to destroy and betray each other the way he tried to get the world to betray Jesus. They did, but he fooled them. He came back out of that grave. <laughs> He walked among them again. We don't have that power, but we have that power on our side. There's no sense in us betraying Jesus Christ with that kind of power at our disposal. Folks, I'm not going to say there's anybody in this room that could raise somebody from the dead, but you know that power exists. I never have seen too many people that had it. And I've seen a lot of charlatans that just borderline claim to have it. But I've never seen it happen. Oh, I see a lot of these mumbo-jumbo television preachers heal cripple folks on the stage, you know. They can't walk, they haven't walked in 30 years. And they go over there and do some jabberish over them, lay hands on them, they'll get up and walk off the stage. I've seen that, and y'all have too. God doesn't want us to fall for betrayal. And people that do that betray people that would love Jesus and love to follow him and not man. They're searching, searching, searching for a way to get rid of the threat, the threat of being misled. Uh, people, uh, we get out of personal service in a lot of ways today. <laughs> Uh, we uh, we betray God and uh, we betray the church and we betray his people and we do everything we can to get out of doing the best for the Lord but you know there are some people that don't plot to do evil but they plot to do good they plot for Loving blessings, if you will. Look at uh, verse 3. While he was in Bethany at the house of Simon, who had a serious skin disease, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of pure and expensive fragrant oil and nard, of nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. Some were expressing indignation to one another. Why is this fragrant oil being wasted? For this oil might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. <laughs> As if they were going to call her like a show-off, you know. But look at the next verse. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you. 
not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. She did what she could. Now, let me say that again. Y'all pay attention. She did what she could. Now, what she did might not have been great in size like some other people. You know, there are a lot of people that like to put a great deal of stuff into the church and, and the offering plate and do a lot of things and make a lot of things possible in the church, and they want somebody to notice it and brag on them. Not so here. She put in the very best she had to offer. She did what she could, and that was anoint Jesus. They had little knowledge that she was anointing him for death. But it was. He was being anointed for death. I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to hand him over to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him silver. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. One, one woman had no intentions of doing that, but uh, she was, she was uh, in trouble because of it. And uh, Judas, he intended to betray Jesus. That was what, I mean, he was going to make money off of this deal, and that was important to him. And he, he wanted to do that. Well, that, folks, listen. We have a lot of people in church today. We have a lot of leaders in church today. Different denominations, and our denomination probably is not any different. But we have a lot of people spread out in Christian denominations and religions around the world that use the church as an excuse to make money. Now, I'm going to tell you something. They're in the wrong profession. Or they're pastoring the wrong churches, one they hadn't learned their lesson yet. We don't do this because of the money. You don't come because of the money. But you know there are a lot of churches that, that would teach. Y'all need to be faithful to come to church and do this and go through that ritual and that ritual. God will bless you financially and every other way. He'll keep you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I don't see that anywhere in the scripture. We've got a lot of charlatans out there in the world that would deceive many if they could. And the scripture, uh, Mark writing uh, about uh, what he knows to be the truth. Uh, verse 8 says, she, she has done this, she has done what she could. So she anointed my body in advance for burial. I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, then he couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand it. That Jesus was being bragged on. One of the twelve went to the chief priest and hand, to hand him over to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him silver. 
So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. Uh, you know when, when that came about? If you look on down there, just you see the high holy day in Israel, the Passover was coming. It was there. It was that day that he chose to betray the lamb, and the lamb was slain at Passover. Ain't God good? <laughs> he works things out just we ought to just scratch our head about it. He works things out for his purpose and his direction to let us know he's in charge and the lamb was sacrificed on the right day. Hallelujah. Verse 12 says, On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so you may eat it? So he sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the city. Man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he, he enters, tell the owner of the house. The teacher says, where is the guest room for me to eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. So the disciples went out and entered the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. That'd be enough to scare me to death if I went and did all of these things that they are telling the helpers to do. Just things to do. There's nothing to it. Yes, there was. His followers were being obedient. His followers were seeing how things develop and what the outcome would be. His followers didn't try to take anything away from there. They stood there and watched it. They didn't have, they didn't have any choice. They could, they could stand there and watch just as long as they could. Everything would be all right. My goodness, folks, what an opportunity for them. They got an opportunity to bless the whole world. Let God be named among you. Jesus knows everything. He was there. He saw the Passover fulfilled. Verse 17 says, When evening came, he arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining and eating, Jesus said, I assure you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me, they began to be distressed and to say to him one by one, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, the one who is dipping bread, excuse me, bread with me in the bowl, or the Son of Man will not, excuse me, will go just as he is written about him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. 
it would have been better for him, for the man, if he had not been born. Jesus was sold out, wasn't he? Had one apostle in the bunch. That you might say, he was either a gold digger or he was not saved, or both. He was looking for a way to get ahead, and he found it in betraying Jesus. They would give him a lot of money, a lot of gold and silver, and that's what he wanted. Do we have people doing that today? Do Christian people, people that call themselves Christian, do they do that today? Do they sell out their spiritual lives to worldly practice? And the world look at them and think, my goodness, there must not be anything to this Christianity. You'll get rid of it so easily. If you really believed in this Jesus Christ you teach and preach, you would worship him. Folks, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just our church. You can go around to all the churches in this town, all denominations, and you'd probably find similar emptiness in all churches today. Men are falling away from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't like it because it's too stringent, it's too strict on them, and they don't want to be confined that way. Folks, if we're going to do what Jesus wants us to do, we're going to be confined that way. We're going to be wrapped up in his blessings and his armor, have his sword and his helmet of salvation, and just march off into the battle. And he'll bless us and keep us and do great things with us. Verse 17 talks about the fulfilling of the betrayal at Passover. What a great time, Passover. The Lamb of God <laughs> became the sacrificial lamb at Passover. My goodness. When evening came, he arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining and eating, Jesus said, I assure you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one by one, surely not I. He said to them, it is one of the twelve, the one who is dipping bread with me in the bowl. That should have narrowed it down a lot, shouldn't it? The bowl wasn't that big. For the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Our question today, because Jesus knows all, there's not anything that he doesn't know. He knows everything, every little detail about our lives, every second of our lives. He knows about it. All the people in the world, he knows about every little detail of their lives. I don't know how he does, except he's God. And he can do that, what nobody else can do. We have a tendency still today to sell him out. 
We sell him out for the best bargain we can make with him to have as many things as we can get from him. And uh, sometimes we just deny him. We just, we don't want to be made out to be a Christian because it's not advantageous to us. People would look down on us and maybe not do business with us if we were Christian. Uh, and uh, sometimes folks just betray him and go off and leave him, just desert him. That happens in the world today. People that call themselves Christians and members of church, they just they leave Jesus behind. They don't want anything else to do with him. Well, I think because he hasn't blessed them the way they thought. And if he didn't bless them the way they thought, as the church told them, they were mad at Jesus. They weren't mad at the church. They were mad at Jesus because Jesus didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus held up his end of the deal. Jesus did exactly what he was supposed to do. He came to this earth as a human being. A spirit being who didn't have to do that. God being spirit allowed himself, made himself into a physical human being that he might offer his body as a living sacrifice for the sins of all men of all time. Now, I don't know if y'all have ever thought about that or not. For all of the sin, for all of the men that ever lived, that's a lot of sin. Jesus gave his life that all of that sin might be forgiven if that sinner would just turn to him and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. He would do that. He said he'd do it. And I believe he'd do it. He did it for me. Did he do it for you? Jesus is a powerful, loving God that wants the best for his people. And he was betrayed. Down to verse 20. Well, let me read uh, 19 first. They began to be distressed and say to him one by one, Surely not I, talking about betraying him. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, the one who is dipping bread with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would, be, it would have been better for, for that man if he had not been born. Folks, we in the United States of America have more opportunity to hear about Jesus, to read about Jesus, to pray to Jesus, to follow Jesus. We have more opportunity to be Christians and good Christians than any other people in the world. We have that privilege. It was fought for and died for by a lot of people back under years ago to ensure us that freedom. We ought to be ashamed by not living like we're proud of that. We ought to be ashamed for not fulfilling our end of the deal. And Jesus gave his life to save ours, 
our eternal life. That's what he wants us to do is turn to him and trust him for our salvation. And we sell out Jesus today. We sell him out by denying him, by betraying him, by deserting him. I don't ever deny him. You don't. You must be perfect then. You sinless. <laughs> Every time we sin, we deny Jesus. You know that? We've been sold out. We betray him for the same reason. We desert him for the same reason. When we just walk away. We don't want to do what he said. We won't do what he said. And that's betrayal and denial. That gets us in trouble. But you know what? He wasn't ignorant of all of this when he saved us. Folks, we have a great and loving God that knew who we were and how we acted and he went to the cross for us anyway. Hallelujah and amen. We've got God of gods and King of kings, Lord of lords. Praise his holy name. There's nothing in the world that compares to Jesus Christ and what he did for us. If we can't be proud about anything in the world, we can be proud about him. I'm a child of the king, and that ought to be a boasting point for all of us. I'm a child of the king. One of these days he's coming back. Amen. He promised he would. He said he was coming back. Now, I don't know whether I want to be on his side and watch that happen or down here and watch it happen. But that's going to be a hallelujah moment, whichever side you're on. I just feel like sometimes I weigh too much to get caught up in the air. I don't think that matters too much to him. <laughs> and I know after I get to heaven, I ain't going to weigh enough not to come back with him. We're going to have a great reunion one day with all our family and loved ones and fellow Christians that have gone on before us. That's going to be a great day. We ought to be proud of what Jesus has done for us. There are a lot of ways that folks can betray him. But we sure don't need to do any of that. We don't need to drive a wedge between us. We need his power and his presence in our lives every day, every day. I hope you have. If you don't, you can, you need to. And if you've been outside of his will and not in good graces with him, you need to be. It'd be bad to, be bad to have to go to Jesus and stand there like a little boy with your hands down behind your back and shuffling your feet and your head down, can't see him, don't want to look at him because you know you've been a bad boy. Let's be proud today Jesus comes back. Shout hallelujah. It's time to go be with the king. That's who we ought to be. That's who you need to ask yourself or you. Let's stand together. We'll have a prayer. And you have an invitation to do as God leads you to do. As we, uh, we pray.
I want you to, to be faithful to the Lord. Lord, uh, we thank you so much for being our God. We thank you for loving us, caring for us, giving us everything that you have in spite of who we are. Lord, we fail you so many times. I know I do. And you keep forgiving us and forgiving me. Lord, thank you that we have such a great, loving God. Instill in us the desire to serve you as we should, to show the world who you are and how to be saved. We'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Anybody need to make a move this morning?